0: My guest today is entrepreneur Romain Goni, founder at Swoon New York. Raymond, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, thank you. Perhaps you could start off by kindly telling our audience a little bit about yourself. All right, um, well,
1: so I'm originally from Spain, although currently I live in Los Angeles. Uh, I launched my business in New York, uh, as it its name says, New York, and uh, the, the last few years of my life have been the culmination, as I was saying, of, of uh, many years of figuring out what it is that I can do best. Um, and as a professional but also as a human being Um, and you know what I feel that sums it all up is uh, uh, the question the answer to the question what can I do to serve my community best and and my community are are different things. Uh, it's different communities, um, and mainly my uh, the, the, the the central community that I serve to would be the filmmaking and artistic community. Um, that's what what has become sort of the the central point of of both my business and my artist collective. Uh, but uh, the 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 road to to that answer to that sort of central community that I serve uh, at the moment has been mired by a lot of adventures, uh, first as a you know, political science and law student, then as a journalist, uh, working primarily for the BBC in New York and all, all other places around the world. And, uh, and then lately, in the last 10, 15 years, uh, that storytelling uh, turned into film, basically, as a director, director of photography, and a creative, head creative for, for my company soon.
0: Yeah, so I was just reading some of the, the projects that you've been working on, but you've worked on the Netflix, The Crown, Narcos, It's pretty, pretty exciting projects you've been working on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is difficult to, since we're talking about entrepreneurs, it is difficult to see the big picture of, of what we do because we're so focused on the day-to-day on basically... the the survival task of of, um, any business owner and any uh, creative, Uh, but when I look back at some of the work that I've done, um, essentially it is uh, catering to some of the biggest um, networks and content producers in Hollywood, uh, such as Netflix, Amazon. Um, even you know Apple, Apple Plus, uh, doing their commercial advertising campaigns. I mean, essentially doing the the promo campaigns for uh, the biggest shows, the the most awarded Emmy-nominated uh, shows, such as The Crown, such as um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon, uh, Narcos, etc. So, I mean, it's been. It's been an interesting ride that has been very inf- very much informed by my collaboration with other creatives. And that's, I think, if, if there is something that I really want to talk about today with you um, that I think is very important for people to understand is that uh, that um, uh, idea, I would say, or that sort of... Mirage of the, the lonely or lone entrepreneur who builds everything from the ground up by him or, her, or herself is completely false. I mean, I would be nowhere and I would be no one uh, without the help of mentors, of, of people that have taken me along the way for some of those projects that you mentioned and that I mentioned uh, it is. It is very important to collaborate to help propel other people's careers as as you are creating your own, and that's been my my luck uh, and also my my choice by by being in places like New York and Los Angeles where I've been able to meet those people.
0: Very refreshing and nice to hear. I I think it's. Um, I know exactly what you mean. From, I think a lot of entrepreneurs do make it out that they've done it all on their own, and it's you know it is. A difficult process and you you know but of course as you quite rightly put put it I think a lot of people who've done well have had mentors have had a lot of people supporting them and it's important to recognize that so you know well said I mean just looking at your career and I'm, I'm trying to understand how did you come up with your company what happened how did you become an entrepreneur what's the process
1: the process is very much uh an accident. Uh, I I like to say that I became an entrepreneur by accident. And again, that feeds the narrative of the lone entrepreneur who builds everything from the ground up. And again, I want to counter the narrative because it's not true. Uh, But the initial uh, aspect of it was true. I found myself having to make a very um, consequential choice, about where I wanted to live, um, it was 2009 and I had been working for the BBC for, for several years after I finished my, my I mean, school and um, I was uh, basically told that I had the opportunity to pursue the career that I had dreamt of all my life since I was 15 as a foreign correspondent for the media outlet that I considered the most reputable in, in the world. Uh, and still is, I think, and um, and they told me. You can go to whatever you want in Latin America. You can go to Mexico, you want to you want to go to Argentina, you, you can go whatever. You'll be our unsponsored reporter, which is a very BBC term, <laughs> uh, meaning that they are actually, they only have you there, <laughs> but they're not quite sponsoring you. And that's because of the how the license fee has been reduced over and over again. They, they cannot afford a lot of things that they used to uh, be able to. And, um, it, at that point, I I had to choose between New York City and the community of artists that I was referring to earlier. That was starting to propel me in a different direction than the one that I had set for myself when I was fifteen. And I fell in love with radio, um, and um, and and I I had to choose. I had to. It was one of those choices that you remember forever. It's like, well, do I? become that correspondent uh, that at age 55 is possibly divorced <laughs> with two kids living in different countries and having a, a pretty miserable life, fighting for their, their job uh, over and over again because people decide every four years that maybe it's not a good idea to have a public service informing people. And then we're seeing it now with all these elections going on around the world and, and how the media takes the blame. Or do I stay in New York and do I build something new, uh, something different that allows me to continue working with those artists that I had met? And I'm talking about photographers. I'm talking about musicians. I'm talking about uh, the person who became my, my business partner, a doll maker, uh, a doll designer. Uh, how how odd, like going from reporting at the UN and interviewing presidents of <laughs> nations to, you know, partnering up with a doll maker and traveling with the world with him. His name is Andrew Yang and and uh, um, and yeah, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I, I went through two iterations of, of my current uh, artist collective. I, I steer away from calling it a business because it is a it is and it isn't. Um, and uh, and that's how it all started out of a decision that was a very very risky one, a very consequential one, uh, but a, a decision that I'm I'm very proud of. Um, you know, almost a decade later.
0: So was it well-planned for my listeners to understand? Was it just simply a decision, either go and continue with the BBC job role or start this collective? Was it that black and white? Um,
1: No. A lot of things in my life, they happened gradually. Um, I didn't stop working for the BBC one day and start... uh, a company. Uh, I had no idea what managing a company was. I mean, I, I knew that I was going to have to sign a lot of papers, but that was about it. Um, it was a, a, a transition that took, uh, I would say, two years uh, to be completed uh, to the point where I started making money. I mean, <laughs> let us remember that it was the peak of the recession as well. It was 2009 when, like, uh, I mean, somehow I had, had some sort of st- work stability because I was working for a, a public media outlet, publicly funded media outlet like the BBC, but a year after res- the recession hit, obviously revenue for, for this media outlet also fell, and and we had to, I mean, my my income was, was being slashed, essentially. And so it, it was out of necessity... Decision that also uh, had a lot of l- legal implications in terms of how I was going to be um, working legally in the United States. I had to find ways to to go through that whole entire process. I only had six months to figure it out, and I was very lucky. Honestly, I was very lucky that at the time we didn't, we had a, a a government that that in the United States that have. That actually promoted a, a, an immigration policy that was not as uh, nonsense as it is right now, and so the process was relatively smooth uh, for me to both launch the company with a, an American business partner, and also to be able to get all the papers sorted um, to stay in the country and to work legally uh, through this company. Now. In that process, there were also a lot of questions, um, a lot of questions about whether I should continue working as a journalist. I continued actually filming and and working as a reporter for the BBC for those two years. But at some point, it just uh, stopped making sense to have that sort of dual... Uh, allegiance, if you will. Uh, it was either I had to put my time into this adventure of running a business and trying to make money with it, or I, I could, you know, continue working for for the big guys, um, which, you know.
0: It must, must have been quite hard to give up that kind of, I guess, I always think it's a badge of honor, isn't it? You know, being a reporter for the BBC and, and having that prestige to give that mm-hmm. up and, and focus in on one one platform or one one project. And so, like you say, it's a gradual process, but it must have been quite hard. I'm thinking about my listeners that must have that similar pain point in their lives where they've got something, a job, that say, say, um, but they, they know they could be doing something else, but they don't quite know how to make the leap. It sounds like you did it over time.
1: It was hard, but again, I think... There is something that all entrepreneurs share, which is this kind of survival instinct, Uh, and that is what also guides the gut instinct on what it is that needs to be done. I mean, there is a the the difference between what I want to be doing and what I need to be doing is sometimes massive. especially when you, you have obligations to, to an idea that you've created, that you've launched, to a business that pays people's you know, living. And uh, and the, the goal is to bring that what I want to be doing and what I need to be doing to, to make it all work closer together. So in that initial stage of uh, you know, transitioning from my, my dream job, honestly, to, to this new thing that I didn't know where it was going to lead, uh, there was a huge disparity between that I want to be doing this. I wanted to be doing basically the things that I'm doing right now, uh, but I needed to be doing makeup tutorials. I mean, granted, for Vogue magazine, for Revlon, for big uh, brands and, and, and companies, but you know, I, I remember finding myself, I think it was 2011, one, one night at 2 in the morning editing The Cat Eye. I mean, for our listeners who are not... Uh, very <laughs> informed on makeup. I mean, the cat eye is a fascinating process that takes a lot of steps and that you can teach in three minutes in a video that will be edited over and over and over again until it's absolutely perfect. And I had this client that was so meticulous about the cat eye that I just, I was just horrified about the fact that I was at my office at two in the morning editing a cat eye video. After having done the things that I had done in my other career and I was like, that was one of the moments where it's like, why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, working on this? Like, what do I care about a cat when like people are, you know, talking about really important issues right now and the world is changing and all those things? Well, that's what I needed to be doing. Um, in order to be able to do what I wanted to do in the future. And that projection and that sacrifice is not for
0: everyone. It's a very, very good point, though. I think there's two things there I want to make sure the audience pick up on. One is I do firmly also believe focus is important. You can't, as you said earlier, have two... Um, your your, your, your attention split between two, two people, two things, two businesses, two ideas. So you're focused in on one, and then that sacrifice. I mean, people start their own business, they just... I think sometimes why they fail is they don't recognize what you're talking about here, which is you are going to do things that are also not fun, but you have an end game in mind. And if you can get to the end game, those, those small pain points become insignificant. And even a story for later, like now, you know, they become a story for later, right? There's to, you know, what you had to do to push through to get where you wanted to be. But did you know your destination from day one? Did you know that, you know, you wanted to be... Producing the things that you've since produced. Did you did you know that at the beginning?
1: I definitely did not. I I I think again I would say that there are there are two ways of guiding yourself through the very murky, dark road of entrepreneurship, especially at the beginning. One is having an, an incredibly specific goal, uh, and also a, a sort of a status. Uh, pursuit, uh, which again, I mean, for a lot of people, it works. It makes them a lot of money. It makes them sell their business really fast and and make a lot of money and then having to figure out what to do next, which is a a very existential crisis for people who are always looking for the new next thing. Um, Or um, you can choose a I mean, it's not a, as dualistic as this, but in my case, I chose a very different route, which is a a much long-term, much longer-term uh, path um, that was focused on on a feeling, on per, on the pers- pursuit of a feeling that I experienced in a film set uh, on the first short film that I created with uh, my partner at the time, uh, my business partner at the time, Andrew. Um, we created this slow motion short film with a dancer and with his dolls and it was like super abstract and artistic i didn't know that that i was able to to do that that i was going to be able to put that together with with a lot of sweat and tears honestly I was i was literally carrying a lot of equipment up and down my apartment my tiny studio apartment in new york um, and a lot of things happened uh, before that shoot, but when I was on the film set, and I was surrounded by this really awesome team, I had this feeling of um, companionship, of partnership, of collaboration, but also I I shed a, a couple of tears of joy. Um, and and those couple of tears of joy when I was looking at the monitor and I was seeing what we had created and what we were in the process of creating when I saw um, you know this this 20 seconds that we filmed expand into two minutes because it was extreme slow motion and I saw that that was actually something that I was creating with other people. Um, I, I felt that and and that's when i I I told myself, okay, this is what I need to. If I, if I manage to create something once or twice a year that makes me feel this, I'm doing something right. And that's what I've been basically doing for all these years. I mean, there's been all, all sorts of ups and downs, financial, uh, you know, physical, uh, emotional. But every year, I've, I've, I think, without exception, I've managed to have one or two of those experiences.
0: I think the word feeling is not used enough in business you know you you I think there's so much let's do a business plan what market gap do we feel you know what I'm getting from what you're saying and I really love it is this feeling point you know like you you did something and it just you felt something and, and that's what you decided to, to pursue as a business model uh, uh, you pursued a business model around feelings and I, and I think that's really an interesting way of looking at things because most of the time it is a business model right a business plan and so it's it's an interesting insight for people. How did you how did you correlate this kind of your whole life sounds like you're growing up with this dream job in mind and then letting it go. Do you ever, ever have days where you want to go back to that old life?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's especially right now with all the things that are happening especially in the United States. I mean, I I I tell myself day in and day out what am I doing? Why am I not out there with my microphone and my camera, you know, telling the story? Um, I don't think I will ever cease to be a storyteller. Um, the, the shape of those stories and the, the reach and how they're created is what's changed uh, now. Uh, and that was the, the goal. Is like I was making that decision as uh, with this idea in mind of well, I want to create much higher quality content than what I was creating at the time. Uh, working for the BBC and, and it was pretty good already, but I felt that I wanted something bigger and better, uh, and um, and and just. To add what to, to what we just talked about about that that feeling, I think it is important to be guided by those feelings while having a very solid foundation of what the structure that allows those feelings to to expand, to develop, to to build uh, new things um, can create. And that's what I mean. Honestly, the film industry is about. It's it's a it's a it's an industry and it's a business driven by. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say exploiting emotions, but definitely uh, manipulating emotions in order to make people feel things so they can actually understand, understand certain events that, that we are all going through. And for that to happen, you need an incredibly organized and solid structure uh, that obviously is what I've had to, to, de- to develop and to change several times over the last few years. Until I found a place where, going back to what I was saying earlier, I can make what I want to be doing and what I need to be doing come closer and closer and closer. Um, so going back to your question, yes, I definitely question myself. I definitely ask myself sometimes, do I want to um, you know, pitch some news stories to the BBC where I still have a lot of friends working or do I want to be the story? Uh, And that's actually kind of what I've been leaning towards in the last few months is like, well, for the first time, maybe I could be the story. I could be part of the the group of people that are uh, innovating, that are uh, mentioned or that are worth being talked about in, in certain media outlets, uh, to deal with the, the the problems that we're all facing as a society and as humanity, as a human species. Uh, and that's what I'm working on right now.
0: It's interesting to read that um, you know you, you, you moved to Los Angeles to pursue your true passion surfing every day. Yeah. <laughs> T- tell us about that. I mean, work-life balance comes up a lot from my audience. They want to know how to get work-life balance. But what, tell us a little bit about that, that, that passion.
1: Yeah, well... Let me start with, this, with saying that uh, work life balance is another uh, falsehood <laughs> that doesn't exist, especially if you're uh, an entrepreneur. Uh, and I think you never cease to be one once you, you get into it. Uh, you know, it is about, once again, finding certain things that make you feel. Like I think it is really important to stay in touch with your feelings and your emotions when you're doing some heavy uh, duty sacrifices in your life and with your friends and your family. Um, you need to be in touch with yourself, and and surfing is 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 that for me. It's it's nature. It's uh, a place where cell phones and screens are not present, uh, even if. A, a cell phone brand created a surfboard with a screen on it, and and some people still dare to have their Apple Watch on, in the water <laughs> and check messages. Um, I, I think it's still one of those places, like a, a sanctuary for me and for many people. Uh, now, is it balancing my life? No, it's actually completely making it <laughs> much more difficult sometimes because, uh, you know, I have to make even more time uh, to to, you know, drive to a surf break that is working, to to, you know, just be away from everyone and, and not answer any calls, any emails or anything. And, and you have to educate a lot of people on, on what that means and why that is important for you. So uh, but it, it is it is actually what motivated my move from New York City. I lived in New York for almost fifteen years and and it was time to. I mean, the the day I, I I think I was going to Rockaway Beach on in the subway. I, I was basically taking the subway at five in the morning with my surfboard, an hour and a half. People were asking me, "Are you going to the Caribbean?" And I'm like, "No, I'm I'm going to Rockaway I'm surfing. It's winter. I know it's crazy." And then I was heading back another and another hour and a half at like ten in the morning. And I'm like, "Why am I doing this to myself? Why am I spending three hours in the subway to surf every day?" Like. There is something there that needs to change, and that's when I went to a place where I could do that easier, uh, in an easier way.
0: And how, how I love L.A. personally. You, you you uh you rate it over New York? You think it's uh, if you have to live in the U.S. Is it L.A. or New York?
1: Um, both cities have uh, an incredible community um, of artists and creatives. Uh, still, I think all the people that say that New York is dead right now are just not right. Uh, I have to say that in the last few months, especially during this pandemic, I, I would have felt incredibly trapped in New York City in a studio apartment or a small apartment, uh, not being able to go to the office, like having to, to do all the things that I'm doing um, remotely and not being able to be with the people that I enjoyed uh, collaborating and talking to. So right now for me, Los Angeles is definitely the place to be, both because the industry that I I want to keep developing my my career in is here, but also because of the fact that, yeah, I have access to nature. I'm currently in in the mountains. Uh, I mean, I'm surrounded by trees. I I look out and I see the sky. I see plenty of wonderful, um, you know, Vegetation and 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 I think that's something that it takes a lot of work uh, in New York to to get to. I mean, I lived by uh, Washington Square Park. I also saw trees when I came out of the house. And but you know, there were a lot of activities that that became more difficult. So that's a really like <laughs> I'm not committing to one or the other. It's an answer that doesn't really. Explain much, I think uh the one thing that I would say is that there's a what I've experienced both with my friends and people who work in in my sector is that a lot of people are are moving west um especially in this kind of uncertainty where like people are starting to appreciate having a bit more space or having an environment where there is not so much aggression on a daily basis um uh, for survival. <laughs>
0: and- were your parents entrepreneurs? How could
1: they make the news. You were leaving the BBC to do your own business. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, in a way, um, my dad at some point made a decision to, you know, leave the family business. I mean, he was a lawyer, and um, he became an independent uh, lawyer and and ran his own um, firm for for many years, and. Um, so yeah, I grew up in an environment where I I saw my dad and my stepmom um talk about money and about the importance of, you know, keeping things um very well organized so so we could all have food on the table. Uh so I was very much aware of, of you know, saving and like doing things that that they did while also running their own business. My mom uh my mom was an entrepreneur, on and is an entrepreneur in a way, on her on her way. In the sense that, she's she's had so many different jobs, and and she's always managed to survive through, you know, raising a, a kid uh, uh, as a single mom, and um, and again, I think a single mother. Uh, holding different jobs, trying to find the best place for for your kid. That is a business in itself. It's like you have a you have a product if you will, that's your kid. you want to give your kid the, the best uh, opportunities and the best environment to grow up in and you're gonna make everything happen for, for that to to become a reality.
0: I think that's true. And uh, I mean I, I personally think single parents deserve awards. So I've got a three-year-old and it's the, the, one of the hardest jobs in the world one of the most fulfilling too but you know it really is I've, I've run big big companies and, and I would say it's a lot easier to run big big companies than, than look after a child properly and so uh, <laughs> single mothers deserve awards, single fathers deserve awards it's a, it's a big big thing and as you say um, can, can change lives if, if, if it's done right do you think today when you measure success um, how, how do you look at success today for yourself how, what is success?
1: Success is, once again, bringing the things that you want to do in your life and the things that you need to do in your life to, to you know, keep living closer together. And sometimes uh, that doesn't translate into financial success. Uh, one of the hardest times in my life, uh, when I moved actually to LA and I had to transition both My business approach to things and and my personal approach, my spiritual approach to life. um, You know, I I, I look at it as one of the most successful periods of my life, too. and this is not, again, one of those stories of like, yeah, I went through the desert and I came successful and up and I'm so strong because I'm, a, you know, the idea of the masculine man who serves. and No, not at all. It's the opposite of that. It's actually, it was a surrender to the elements, to the environment, to the fact that I had to share an apartment for the first time in so many years. I, I had to figure out how to get out of, Debt uh, for the business in a way that had happened completely unexpectedly after one of the biggest projects that we had uh, with Netflix, uh, and uh, and it, it success in that particular moment was surrender was actually being able to get to a place of happiness of bliss by surfing every day by. Uh, waking up early in the morning spending two hours in the water then going back home seeing that I had no emails uh, (laughs) or no business leads and deciding that I was gonna keep doing things that I was gonna create I was gonna write and that's what I started doing I I started writing the the TV show and film that I'm writing right now and I started setting the foundations of what years later was going to become something tangible Um, but that could only happen from a place of, of surrender. Of uh, And it is not surrender understood as um, I have been beaten up and I lost. It's a surrender understood as an awareness of the fact that no matter what I do, and this is a, a sort of a cognitive dissonance moment for an entrepreneur. is like, no matter what I do, nothing is going to change. And I need to learn how to not do things, and I need to stay put for as long as I can until things change when they have to, and that the the capacity to decide. When to start doing things again, when to start reaching out to business contacts to to people, to artists and when when the right time is for all that, when, how long it's gonna take me to, to get to that place that is that is the biggest learning experience for me. It's just like being able to observe and only act upon what I'm seeing when the right time is. That's success, that's, that's learning that and being able to apply it to my life now that I'm busy again, even if you know there's a lot of uh, uncertainty. Uh, that's where like, I can go through a period of time like, like now uh, with a ton of uncertainty for absolutely everyone and for our industry and, 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 and decide when it is the right time to come out and say, well, this is my idea. Let's, let's do it, let's put it into practice
0: as you built out your business. Um what what were the learnings if you to look back now what would be if, for my listeners to understand as you built your business any any insights any thoughts?
1: Yeah. I think the the main insight and I'll give you three <laughs> because I like the three the, the 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 number 3 uh there's always three options there's always three insights and And I think the first one is, again, following a a sense of what it is that makes you uh, accomplished uh, at a personal, deeply personal level, not in the eyes of others. It's like, well, this is the part, it's it's an introspective exercise. You can only get to a point of success in your life after you've done that introspection work and you've realized okay well you know in my in my life right now for instance to give you a specific example success would look like you know being able to surf every day in an amazing place where i have a wonderful community of people around me that i i know that i talk to that i can support that can support me and while i'm i live in that sort of place i can also create some of the most amazing content that anyone has ever created uh, well that getting to that that insight like Ramon 15 years ago in New York City and Ramon today <laughs> completely different people in terms of what we want in our lives but but there's been a lot of introspection work so the first is doing your homework at a an introspective level uh, meditation helps a lot for that um, and there are lots of types of meditation. Like some some people may not enjoy necessarily sitting down for 20 minutes, but uh, they can write, uh, you know, three pages every morning. They can they can do so many different things that can provide you the the, the foundations for that introspection. The second part would be um, education. Honestly, uh, there is again a, a huge movement of. Uh, <laughs> you know, against uh, formalized education, against college education. I can understand it in the United States when you have to go in debt for, you know, life uh, for many people in order to get a shot, perhaps, at getting that job that is going to pay off your debt. And then maybe you can start investing in something that will allow you to retire. It's a devilish system. And I can understand how a lot of people may say, well, I don't want to be part of that. Uh, But I do think that at a certain level, uh, in a certain time of, in your career, you you need that structure. You need that uh, those three, four years of reading books that are very difficult to understand, theories that are not necessarily what you want to be reading or talking about, and being somehow forced to do a lot of uncomfortable things because what that allows you to do is to, when, when those hard times come later in life, uh, you've gone through that, you've gone through a boot camp, an intellectual boot camp that, that uh, keeps your curiosity alive, even in the darkest times. Uh, and as long as you have a curious instinct, uh, you're going to find new things that you're going to be able to develop and to, to, to grow, like new seeds that you're going to be able to plant. Um, but if, if there is no curiosity in the darkest of times, uh, that's when, you know, it's all over. So that intellectual boot camp that for me it was, you know, seven years of structured education in, in college was very, very important. Um, and I think there are different versions of that, but I, I do feel that it's it's an important insight. And, and the third part is, again, the community. Uh, I started with that, and I, and I think that's that's my biggest message is the fact that it is very important to have mentors that may not be officially mentors or call themselves mentors. They may become that over time, but it is very important to have uh, an awareness of what that means in, in our career uh, because, uh, I, I firmly believe that I've obviously helped my mentors to develop uh, further their careers. Uh, the photographers that I've worked with, like Jason Bell or uh, you know Matthew Brooks or Nino Munoz, like they're all fashion photographers that do a lot of entertainment work. Um, and they do all these commercials that I, I did with them as a, as a DP and as a director. Uh, And thanks to that collaboration, like they were able to also further further their careers and say, well, I can do this this video commercials. I can create this um, additional content that makes me more valuable for all these companies. but at the same time, I was also having access and an opportunity to have uh, to, to work with people that I would have never been able to work otherwise. And also I was able to learn from, from their artistry and their creativity. Um, so that community, both in terms of people that you can work with and learn from, but also people that you can foster uh, their growth and their careers, uh, that one day will become also people who may hire you for somebody, for something, uh, but also people who may have the key to what to do next with your business or your company or whatever it is that you're doing. Um, that those that two-folded uh, community um, is incredibly relevant, especially in places where um, everything is so much, uh, so, so so less. I mean, that is less structured than than it is in Europe or in the United Kingdom. Even I mean, the United States. Like, you have to create your community. You have to find your community and then, you know, stick to it.
0: Yeah, that's often the biggest criticism I've heard of L.A. That it's quite hard to build a community there. It's quite an individual, you know, people standing on their own doing stuff thing. I guess maybe surfing helps you uh, connect to a community, for example, right?
1: Yeah, correct. I mean, that's that's uh, that was my my in, into. Los Angeles. I met I met a lot of people in the water who I ended up becoming friends with and and even you know talking about projects with. Um, but so it was at least that that created a a feeling of le- less isolation because it is very easy to you know drive from point A to point B and you're in your car you're not talking to anyone, listening to the radio, or to music or to podcasts. Uh, but it can be very isolated, isolating in that regard, especially now when you know it's impossible to you know, hang out with groups of people that you don't really know. Um, so yeah you have to find yourself activities uh, that, that already have that community part integrated in them. Um, but again, I, I don't think I mean if, if I can mention like the, the four, Communities that I am part of. I mean, there is obviously the surfing community. There is the filmmaking and an artistic community that I'm part of. Uh, there is obviously my local community. Now I'm, I'm, I'm up in the hills, and but there is a, a group of people here that go down to the market and we talk and we discuss things and we exchange emails and ideas and whatnot. And and then obviously there is also my my uh, queer community. I'm, I'm a, a, a queer filmmaker. I, I some of the content that I'm 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 creating. Currently has also a a queer component to it, and and when you put them all together, um, you know there are so many opportunities to to exchange ideas, to meet new people also online, and to foster um, an outreach. Beyond that community and that's that's actually what I would like to be seeing right now with especially with entrepreneurs and people who are at the forefront of Ideas is like there is a huge divide in so many ways and in our society politically financially Inequality is a huge problem Um, Well, we need to reach out from our tribes, which is what it's becoming onto and, and create a community of tribes, which is basically what a city and a town, like the, the Greek polis is all about. It's like, what is our public space? We, we seem to have forgotten about that. And I think the work that you do, for instance, uh, fostering the entrepreneur community is very important. It's, it's what it is all about.
0: Yeah, I, I love your point about community and it actually takes a lot of effort to be a part of the community. And, but but what I personally love about the entrepreneurial community is it's so diverse. There isn't actually one particular type of person from one particular type of background. You know, I feel like, um, I mean law, for example, you can often say it's quite academic. People have come from an academic background. I, I find that the entrepreneurial community is incredibly diverse and open-minded and willing to learn, willing to help each other. But it also does have a problem of being quite siloed, especially if you're busy as an entrepreneur building a business. You've, you end up just working on your business almost solely on your own, which can be therefore a very lonely experience, although there is a community there. But it's amazing you've, you've, you've built those four communities uh, for yourself. And I think that um, that, that also my view when you move to a new city is very important right to build that out so that you can enjoy that city
1: yeah exactly it's it's um it's what makes you find the first sort of um, contacts, right? It's like, well, you, you again. It's a work of introspection. I mean, for me, even to say that I'm a queer filmmaker has taken me years. Uh, um, as a reporter, there was no point in in bringing my my sexual identity to the table. It was like I was a reporter. I was telling other people's stories. But now that I am creating a story that other people may share, it is important to 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 put some some. Identitarian labels that are not exclusive, that are inclusive, that are, are fostering diversity, inclusivity, um, and uh, and and then you know you can extend, you can basically merge all those different communities. Are there many queer surfers? No. Are there many uh, filmmakers that are surfing? Yes, but they only do surfing content. Are there People who live in my area <laughs> uh, who surf not that many because now I'm I'm far from the beach so that you can you can start kind of like reaching outside of of that one community that may be the strongest one which may be your business for the longest time while you're building it up uh, and and that's what makes you special. It's like I may not be the best surfer out there, uh, but I know that I'm probably the best. Surfer, queer surfer filmmaker who lives in, in the hills that is out in the water. And, and that already makes me feel much better when I'm falling on my board and, you know, <laughs> breaking my, my head. Uh, because it's like, well, you know, I'm still pretty good. <laughs> I'm just cheering myself up.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that you can, um, you know, you start to define who you are. Um, and ultimately, by, by, by illustrating, details of who you are it can make you unique you know like i guess i could i i I often say i've got one of the most popular podcasts in the world for six foot one uh um 40 plus white guys you know like so as long as 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 i keep defining it i can can say it's true you know like yeah Yeah. but why why were you embarrassed to say well why why did you find it hard to say that well not embarrassed you didn't say that but why why did you find it hard to say that uh years ago what why was it difficult
1: well, I, I, I even had a quote on my website at the beginning when I created my, my personal website as a filmmaker that said that labels are for uh, um, cat food, uh, cans. Uh, and I don't like labels. I think labels... I, I, I've had a, a, a gut reaction against anything that labels me in any way. For my whole life. I mean, and it's been informed by my, I mean, for lack of a better word, allergy to structured religion uh, or structured anything that has to do with ideas. Uh, The minute somebody tells me this is the truth, I will be questioning it. And that's what I've done for my whole life. Um, And, And the problem with labeling myself in some way or another until I found a way of doing it uh, in a a good way for me is that I'm saying this is the truth about myself and there is no question about it and don't you dare challenge it. Um, And that's not how I perceive my identity. My identity is fluid. Uh, My identity is non-binary in many ways. Um, And that's why it is important to, to express that you know all those elements of my identity that I mentioned, and there are many more, obviously, are uh, in constant flux. Uh, you know, sometimes the surfer takes over. Sometimes the queer filmmaker m- m- filmmaker takes over. Sometimes, uh, you know, the fact that I'm from Spain and that I speak several languages uh, takes over, and and that's uh, that's what makes it interesting for for you know uh, whatever I'm creating with other people is that I depending on what we're doing, I can uh, promote or or talk about an aspect of of my experience that will contribute and inform the the thing that we're creating. Um, And I think that flexibility uh, uh, versus the the rigidity of the truth about myself and the world and life and God is what is very important also to uh, build your own business as an entrepreneur. It's important to Just be able to pivot, which is that awful word that we all hate. But uh, you have to identity pivot many times throughout your career in order to succeed.
0: I I think partly what you're talking about, my translation would be talking about brand, really. You're talking about, you know, explaining who you are and and why you're able to create in the way that you're creating. I mean, when you're directing one of the things you're directing, you're going to have a certain view on it certain way of looking at creating it you can jump between those different uh, profiles within your brand that you just described the surfer and so on but you know I think that's that's a thing that sometimes people forget to do within building their businesses they're so busy looking at the business model they're not branding themselves properly and not being authentic and these days I think being authentic is the key right for your own sanity if nothing else um, you know but uh, yeah. yeah it's a very important point in building a business and I appreciate you sharing it I mean I, I, I'm conscious of time and um, I'm, I'm, I know our listeners only give us an hour so I'm, I'm just to wrap up a few few final questions do you think entrepreneurs are born or bred and do you think um, your education helped you or hindered you?
1: I think entrepreneurs are uh, bred um Like I said, in my case, it happened by accident and it was out of survival. Um, I could have had I, I could have pursued a full time job for and I still can. That's always an option, but it is it is a thing that you learn. Uh, that you learn along the way and there is a personality component to it. There is an experience component to it But I, I think that it's not necessarily a DNA thing It's a it's definitely the experience that you have in your life informs the, your need to to create a business uh, or a platform for yourself and then uh, Your second question was about education, but I, you cut off. What what, what was the question?
0: you think your education helped you or hindered you how do you feel about education generally especially I guess when you get into the creative industry but I mean yeah. do, do you think uh, one of the things a lot of our listeners um, I don't know if you've noticed in, in the UK anyway a lot of people have started going into university because they can't find a job or they don't think they're going to get a job so they're going back into education part of my pitch is you know my personal belief is you, you can learn a lot by going out into the real world and you know university mm-hmm. is not going to necessarily teach you what's happening in the real world which is where I think the important skills are gained but I'm interested in other people's views because mine are not always right but I'm, and so I always like to ask my guest a little bit about you know their personal view on education to try and help my audience yeah. get a different perspective
1: yeah. I, I believe that uh, like I said earlier uh, structured education is important um, that is not to say that it needs to happen at age 18 or 19 or 20 I think there is always time to go to uni and and you know, study uh, the the part of uh, the specialty or the skill set that that you will need to advance your career further. Uh, it's I mean, if you are going to run your own business or be at the top of of uh, a structure of any kind for your whole entire life, and you want to commit to that, and you are certain that that's going to happen. Uh, and you're not necessarily going to find a job in other company that is going to require you a degree or things like that. Then, yeah, you don't need to go to to college uh, necessarily. Uh, nobody's going to be checking your credentials. But there is a number of things in life that after you've gone through the 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 process of launching your business and bringing it to fruition, you may need a degree, a college degree for. Uh, and and I'm thinking of public service. I'm thinking about. Um, uh, you know, CEO positions in other companies where like, even if you've run your your company very successfully, they may actually want you to be well-versed in the financial fluxes of like how things work in the stock market. And, you know, having a degree in economics may be useful for that. Uh, You know, having to deal with regulations and law and legal issues and things that happen at a much bigger level. I mean, yeah, probably Going to Harvard has been pretty useful for Mr. Zuckerberg. Uh, now that he is in, in congressional hearings, day on and day off. So, I mean, there is not a clear answer. I think there is always time for education, but um, but you know, when you're younger, uh, there is a bit of a more of an opportunity to do it uh, at a lower cost in terms of you know the things that you're not gonna have, you're not gonna be able to do because you're going to college. It may be harder to do that at thirty-five or 40
0: years old. Well, I see you're a visiting professor at Columbia University School of Architecture in 2014. So, you, you've you've also been putting into education and giving that knowledge to people, which is which is, I guess, important. Real life experience, uh, professors is pretty important. I think that makes a big difference. So, so sometimes it depends mm-hmm. on where you're going, doesn't it? I guess where you're getting the knowledge from.
1: Yeah. Correct. And again, I mean, spending $200,000 for two years may not be the best career move, especially taking into account, you know, where you're starting, what your starting point is financially. If you come from a lower middle class income family, uh, well, maybe your investment of that money could go into many other things that will give you a better education for what you want to do. So I don't think there's a clear answer for that.
0: Oh, fair So uh, appreciate the comment so just finishing off I-, I wanted to ask if you went back to your younger self and gave some advice what would it be
1: um, I think I would have um, I-, I wanted to know if th- there's a lot of noise right now there's <laughs> of course another trash track but hopefully you can hear me there sound like you a lot of
0: rubbish well. trucks to your side I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's busy yeah
1: it's blowers and, tra- and rubbish trucks <laughs> they always happen at the best possible time when you're in meetings and at home now but um yeah i think running right now listening
0: to this on spotify or on tiktok (laughs) they don't mind i'm sure
1: Uh, i think there is an a, a clear advice for my younger self and it is uh the advice that the greeks used to love to put on top of their temples know thyself know yourself um and the only way to know yourself is by actually challenging yourself not necessarily the way i did uh and what i mean by that is like i wish i i I could have challenged myself a little bit earlier uh to not do things to stay still to enjoy nature i i grew up in madrid i grew up in a city like there was no ocean to be seen around and going skiing or like Uh, going to the mountains was an afterthought it was not an afterthought I mean it was basically (laughs) really difficult uh, especially when 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 my family didn't really enjoy those things either but I wish I had had access to that a bit earlier and I did have access to that I just didn't see it Uh, I didn't see it as something that could benefit me later in life as it is right now benefiting me
0: Good advice. I'm sure your younger self would appreciate it. But uh, I know my <laughs> audience definitely do. I want to thank you for taking the time out to share with us your insights and stories. And, and I'm grateful. So thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that that some of these comments help people to keep going. I mean, I think that's what we need to do right now. One day, one day at a time.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any views or comments or questions for Ramon or myself, feel free to drop us a note. We always reply. Equally, we know you have thousands of podcasts you could be listening to, but you decide to listen to ours. We feel incredibly lucky.